Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. It's all the non-believers. How did that It's all the non-believers. Anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. The national nightmare is over. Kyrie Irving finally traded to the Boston Celtics. It's all done, and we're going to talk all about it. Khalil, Jason, this is the box out, and it begins right now. It's the box out here on WG Sports Radio. This is a Thursday night, September 7th, 2017. Khalil Thomas here, and with me as always is Jason Cordner. Jay, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, th- This trade's finally done, and I was uh, it, we were off last week, and I was like, damn, why are we off? Like, this is a story. But uh, the finishing touches were put on the Kyrie Irving, the Boston trade. The trade stays the same. Um, the only difference is Cleveland receives a 2022 second round, uh, sorry, a 2020 second round pick. Um, also in exchange for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, um, and Kyrie Irving goes to Boston. So there's two questions. One, how much did, how much did Boston know about the hip? And do you think Cleveland felt like Boston screwed them a little bit in the end? Well, I think, um, first off, you know, congratulations to Boston for officially getting the Kyrie Irving tea party going. I think Boston knew. I think they knew they had a lemon. I think Danny Ainge knew he had a lemon in Isaiah Thomas. And I think the Cavs, you know, not having a seasoned GM didn't do all his due diligence to see how bad the hip was. Because reports now are they're saying that he won't be ready until well after the All Star break. So I think, I think Boston, in Boston, Denny's mind, giving up that Brooklyn number one pick, Crowder, a uh, prospect, and uh, somebody, you know, maybe he could play the second half of the season or not. Isaiah Thomas was enough for them to sway the Cavs and get up to get Irving someone who we know from you know he, he could not there's no way he could start training camp in Cleveland with LeBron James there might have been a legit fight as much as Stephen A said that you know the, the possibilities was out there I think it would have been highly it would have highly happened if that was the case so I think Boston did their best to get to get him 
Yeah, and it, it, Cleveland's in a bad spot, like you said. There's no way that they could have started the season with Kyrie Irving there. So automatically, his trade value kind of drops a little bit because everyone knows, okay, we know you can't start the season with Kyrie, so we're not going to give you the farm. And it was funny to me when the report came out that Cleveland kind of had buyer's remorse and said, okay, something's wrong with him. We don't want him. And Boston's like, no, you're gonna, no, this is who you got. This is what we're going to do. And uh, this is what it is. And Cleveland came back and they, they wanted like Jason Tatum or Marcus Smart or another first rounder. And Boston's like, no, this is the, this is the deal. <laughs> so I feel like deep down, and I, I hate saying this because I hate using this word, but I feel like Boston conned Cleveland into making this deal and knew they would take the deal without really a lot of due, di- due diligence on Isaiah Thomas's hip. I hate using that word, but it's like they conned him a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm pretty sure Danny Ainge was, you know, I'm pretty sure he was really, you know, he, he reminds me of uh, Fingers from um, Game of Thrones. And I can completely see Danny Ainge telling the Cleveland GM, like, hey, listen, LeBron's not going to be there next season. We're offering you a Brooklyn pick, you know, who many think will be a top three, top four pick. You know, you're taking Crowder. You're still going to have, you know, he's, his contract will be coming off the books as well. You know, I think this is the best deal you're going to get. I think Ainge is really putting that in the Cavs' heads. Like, hey, this is going to be the best offer you're going to get for Irving, so you might as well take it. Yeah, as, and I love Danny Ainge because Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge is, is prototypical gangster in every way where he said, Kyrie's going to be a better passer with us. You know, LeBron yes, played the point. I, I love this. Kyrie's playing the point. Kyrie's passing the ball, and he's going to be great. And Danny Ainge's like, watch. Watch Kyrie put up like 26 points, 12 assists, eight rebounds, and run things in Boston. I feel like Ainge is starting to get the hype train going for Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and the Boston Celtics. Oh, absolutely. He's selling, he's selling the hopes and dreams. And we, he hasn't even mentioned Tatum and Brown, who are, I think they're going to be vastly improved playing along with someone like Kyrie, who isn't like a first point guard. It's just that he looked that way in Cleveland because, you know, LeBron is really running the point. I also love that Marcus, Marcus Smart's like, I'm coming, in, I'm coming in in shape this year. It's like, well, you probably should have did that before. <laughs> you know, it's like Marcus Smart is like, like I mean, I may only get like six minutes a game, so I should probably like be in shape for those six minutes that I'm going to play this season right now. Yeah, I think the only person who's probably not going to play that be in game shape right away is probably Hartford because he probably knows he's on the trading block. Because I don't think Damien's just done, you know, making a move to improve the roster, and I think he's the next piece to fall. Yeah, and well, you, it, and Horford's one of those players where you look at him, it's like Boston overpaid him. Atlanta overpaid him right. before Boston overpaid him. So, and you're getting a guy who gets hurt. Like you, I, I was waiting for that Al Horford sprain his ankle or Al Horford tore his MC. I went for one of those stories because it seemed like every two, three years, you heard a story like that where Al Horford missed a lot of time. Not to mention, you really don't know what he is. I'm still trying to figure out. Al right. Horford could play the three to four or the five. He wants no part of the five. But then you could kind of play him at a three, but then in the four, do you trust him to step out all the time to play like that kind of power forward position that the NBA is turning into? But then the five, he's kind of soft. So, like, you don't know what you're getting from Al Horford position-wise and, and where to put him. Yeah, and I'm thinking about the whole addition of Morris. They might really 
be better suited if they're going to keep him around and better suit him coming off the bench and not starting and put Morris as the five. Mm, that's that's the mo- that he might be the most expensive bench player in yeah, right. sports history by far because that if he goes to the bench then it's like oh okay well that's it I guess we're <laughs> gonna eat that check I'm assuming. Yep. So with the trade being done now, we know the team teams are gonna look. This is pretty much the way the teams will look when opening night on October seventeenth uh, happens. Is Cleveland still the best team in the Eastern Conference, or does this trade push Boston past Cleveland? Cleveland's still the best team because they have the best player in the conference in LeBron James. I think LeBron is going to be heavily motivated this season, not because of losing to the Warriors, but because of losing Kyrie. I think he's going to be on a mission to prove that, you know, one, he's a great teammate. Two, he's still the the best player in the league. And three... He's just going to prove the people who think that he's lost a step, he's going to prove them wrong. He's going into this season kind of like how Tom Brady's going into this NFL season, whereas, you know, we, we forget LeBron. This is his 15th season. And usually in that 13th, 14th season, you start seeing a, a decrease of performance. I think LeBron's going to have one, dare I say it, MVP kind of season. Even with Isaiah Thomas possibly missing – some some people are saying the first month. Some people are saying February. Like you said, even with Isaiah Thomas missing, however much time he misses, you still see Cleveland has a better team than Boston. Yes, because I think we're going to get the best Derrick Rose we've seen in three years. <sighs> the best Derrick Rose. <laughs> you just you, did you just see that? I, I see it. I I see it. I see it. That's unbelievable. The best, the best Derrick Rose we've seen in four years. <laughs> and yeah, he was just with I, the I Knicks, so. which makes it—he was just with the Knicks, which makes it seem makes it feel even worse. Like God, we didn't even get we didn't even get like forty-five percent Derrick Rose. I think we got like maybe twenty-five, thirty percent Derrick Rose last year. Pretty much. And I'm I'm going to disagree with you for this one reason. I think, I think. Kyrie is – I think you're right with the LeBron point, but I'm going to flip it and put it on the Kyrie on Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving has to prove himself now. I think the pressure's on him because he, he wanted out of Cleveland. He said he wants his own team. He wants his own things. I feel like that motivation is going to be even amped up for Kyrie to play his best and play all 82 hard and make his teammates better. I think – that's the one thing I think he will, he probably took away from playing with LeBron for those years. LeBron makes his teammates better. I think Kyrie saw that and wants to do that with Boston. He wants to make sure that, that Gordon Hayward uh, scores 25 points a game. He wants to make sure that Al Horford can get 17 and 10 a night. He wants to make sure that Marcus Smart, if he plays the two, can come in and shoot the lights out if need be. So I feel like the motivation, Kyrie's going to have it. Now, does Boston have enough? I think that's the question. But I think, I think Kyrie, the addition of Kyrie, Kyrie trumps Isaiah Thomas. I think Jay Crowder is going to be kind of a uh, a really big piece missing from Boston. But I think Morris can come in and maybe play that role. I'm not really sure if he could play the exact role Crowder could. But I don't know. I, I, I think Boston legitimately, and they were the first seed last year, but I think this legitimately makes them the first seed. And not by much. Like, we're talking just as close as it was this past season. So it's fair to say they're definitely going to be one and two again. 
They may flip flop, yeah. but they're definitely the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Oh, without a doubt. And if you look at the I East, I was looking at. I think Boston, I think Boston got to worry about the defense, and I think like if Washington or Toronto has a hot night, they could probably beat the Celtics. Yeah, but what Washington is like, Washington's too streaky, and that's my issue. Washington's like, they'll win six in a row, and John Wall's averaging like 35 in those games, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, okay, they just lost eight in a row, and John Wall shot, you know, eight for 85 in those six games. (laughs) Like, wait, what just happened? True, true, true. And and Bradley Beal, like, broke his hand – you know, uh, riding an exercise bike or some weird, something weird like that that always happens to him. <laughs> Only happens to Bradley Beal, I feel like. <laughs> Wait, and if you look, I'm looking at, I, look, I was looking at the East and I was like, okay, cool, one and two. But then, and then it's just, it's just a huge drop off. And it's like, you have Cleveland, you have Boston. Atlanta's going to stink this year. Brooklyn's going to compete. Brooklyn so. could be the eight seed. I don't know what the hell Charlotte is doing down there. Chicago's gonna fall off, like ridiculously. Detroit is middle of the pack. Detroit could be a seven or eight. Indiana's gonna be god awful. Miami is gonna be like maybe a five or a six. Milwaukee's gonna be maybe a five, six, seven. The the Knicks, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll go with that a little bit. In a little bit. Uh, Orlando's gonna stink. The Sixers may make a run, but we don't know how that team's gonna play with you know. Embiid on the floor, and Simmons on the floor, and you still have Okafor, and how J.J. Redick fits in. Uh, Toronto, I don't know, and you don't know what the hell Toronto's doing either. You don't really know where they really are. So I feel like after Boston-Cleveland, you have the Eastern Conference just wide open from three to eight. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. And that's why, you know, I'm I'm selling high stock on the Nets, making it the playoffs this year. But you're right, yeah, they're clearly the class of the conference, whereas the Western Conference is definitely like nine teams deep, competing for eight spots. And you, and you say nine, usually that's like 10, maybe 11 in some years. Yeah, it could, be, it could be more than nine. It could be more than nine. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's it's just like, it's just weird. It's just, and this summer proved it. This summer showed that everyone's going to the West. So it's like now the West got even better, and the East is like, okay, so we're still here. Um, so we're going to play Cleveland tonight. Okay, that's cool. Um, good luck to you. And that's about it. It's like, okay, great. So, But looking at the Nets roster, and we keep talking about them, and I'm going to yell out the names of who's on their roster. And obviously, you know, ignore Quincy Acey's name. He's first, only because of alphabetical order, not because he's a great player. But uh, Quincy Acey, okay. Jared Allen. Trevor Booker, DeMar Carroll, Alan Crabb, Spencer Dinwiddie, Milton Doyle, Joe Harris, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who I think is amazing, Sean Kilpatrick, who I think is going to be really good, Karis LeVert, who I think is going to be awesome, Jeremy Lin still around, Tim, Tim, Gop, Tim Mozgov, Michael McCollum, D'Angelo okay. Russell, Jamie Sanglin, oh, Isaiah sorry. Whitehead still around, I still, I, or Russell. No, no, Russell. I think Russell might make the All Star team. <laughs> That's a long shot. That's a long shot. I was like, Whitehead. I'm like, really? Um, and Jacob Wiley, Jeremy Singlin, uh, Yakuba Adara, the some bench guys who may not make the team. But with this makeup, you have a starting five of Russell, Mozgov, Lynn, probably Hollis, Jefferson, and 
I must and Lamar Carroll. So you're gonna have kind of a small lineup, but you, you that's a, that's an eight seed all day right there with Carroll at the small, Lynn probably playing the two, Russell playing. I don't know. In your opinion, should Russell play the one or the two? I think he'll start off as the one, but it could be they might move him into two at some point during the season. Because I would, I would prefer him as two than Lynn. I'll say that much. See, I, I trust Lynn shooting more than Russell. Cause Russell's shooting percentage definitely improved last year, but I just don't trust him shooting the ball consistently for an entire basketball season. That's why that's why they exist for the Angelo Russell. And and Lynn, Lynn is and Lynn is I don't wanna kinda put Lynn on the pedestal. Lynn is very streaky. And Lynn will continue to be streaky, like badly streaky. But Lynn does does have those games where he can hit six threes just in a clip right. and look good doing it. Um looking at D'Angelo Russell's shooting percentage, it went down a little bit, only by half a percent. Went down from forty one to forty. His three point shooting went up a little bit. Uh and foul shooting definitely improved. So it I don't know. I um I really like the I really like the Nets and I thought I would not be this big on them this late in the offseason, but I'm really big on these Nets. It's it's and I keep saying to people and they're looking like I'm crazy and I'm like myself. You know, Jason Corden, who's a co-host of mine on my podcast, we agree, and everyone thinks we're insane. And I just think they're really going to ride that we're us against the world. We're hearing everybody talking about how how Cleveland's going to get their number one pick. Like, these are professionals, and we saw last year they were in a lot of games. It's just they didn't have a playmaker, and they have a playmaker now in Russell. And if he can develop, and he's going to have, he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder as well, being you know dismissed by a living legend. I really think, you know, I think Vegas has the Nets for 28 wins. I see 35-38. Well, I also feel like, too, they were in a lot of games, and they didn't have the horses. Like, I'm so, Brooke Lopez is good. Jeremy Lin's good. But they besides those two guys, and Lin missed a lot of the season, they didn't have the, the horses that can help guys. Brooke Lopez carried that team to those wins last year. I think in the games they won. Brooke Lopez right. got tired because Brooke Lopez was playing like 40 plus minutes a lot. You have horses now. And unfortunately, you had to trade Brooke Lopez to get a D'Angelo Russell and a Moscow. But DeMar Carroll, I think, will, will definitely add a little bit of toughness. Hollis Jefferson is going to get better. Karis Levert is going to get better. Kilpatrick is going to get better. And I feel like now you, now you have a team that want, and that, that's gritty. They want those wins. And I think uh, Kenny Atkinson really did a good job of establishing that, that culture that was missing under uh, Jason Kidd or even Lionel Hollins. Right. Totally agree. So there was a report, I believe two, a couple days ago, that right now the Knicks are nowhere near Carmelo trade. So Carmelo Anthony is pretty much going to be a Nick come training camp. But it also came out that the Milwaukee Bucks had emerged as a potential third team in a Houston, New York swap for Mello and however convoluted this trade would have turned into. But the one name that came up from the book from the Bucks was Jabari Parker. Uh, so I'm assuming Mello will go to Houston. 
Ryan Anderson would have went to Milwaukee, Milwaukee and maybe another player. The Knicks might have gotten Jabari Parker, maybe one other player and a draft pick on their end. If that trade went down, how would you have felt about that trade? Now, we know Parker would probably be with the Knicks. We don't know what else they would have received. I would have assumed they would have first first round pick in audition. How would you feel about that trade if it went down that way? Um, I'd be on the fence of it because Parker hasn't shown that he can play a full season, let alone half a season. He's been, you know, injury prone since he came out of Duke. I mean, yeah, when he's healthy, he's a great scoring option. You know, he reminds me of a poor man, Kevin Durant. That's how he reminded me when he was in Duke. But we haven't seen that Duke version of Jabari Parker in quite some time. So I don't know how I feel about the trade. And I think the Knicks need to, like, I think Melo needs to come to training camp and go from there. Like, I think he really needs to, like, reassess this whole getting out of New York situation, especially since the East is wide open. Melo's a drop. He, he could easily give you 20, 20 25 ignite. He can help the Knicks situation in, in competing for the 7th or 8th seed if he stays here. He goes out west, he's losing in the semis. And I don't know if that's that much of a difference. Yeah, when I saw that report, I was – I felt the same way you felt, but I was also kind of intrigued because you get a healthy Jabari Parker to go with Porzingis. Now, the problem would be Parker kind of plays the power forward position as well. So unless you mm-hmm. move Parker to small forward, which could probably work, but you have – you could have a Parker, Porzingis, a Frank at a point. That's your – that's your – that's your – that's your future right there. You're looking right at it. I'm like, hmm. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget uh, Hardaway. Don't forget Hardaway. Oh, Tim, Hard- Tim Hardaway. So your starting lineup is set essentially besides center, which you don't really have unless you want to throw, you know, Kyle O'Quinn. I'm not sold on Hernan Gomez at all. I know a lot of people love him. I know. I think you said you like him. I'm still not. I saw right. an old game. I was on MSG. I'm not. He had a good tor- a good quarter of the season. But I'm still not completely sold on Hernan Gomez. Uh, has a viable starting center in the NBA. So I think the Knicks might try to start him based on how he played towards no, the end of the year. I, I think that's a, I agree. That's a mistake. I wouldn't start him either. He's definitely a nice energy off the bench kind of guy. So I'd set, would you? So if you had a pick, and I'm just going by what's on the team currently, if you have to trade Hernan Gomez or O'Quinn because you know, O'Quinn, he has kind of a, not a big contract, but he makes some money. Hernan Gomez not really making a ton. But O'Quinn has some value. Hernan Gomez definitely drew value towards the end of the year. Who would you trade? O'Quinn or would you trade Hernan Gomez? I feel like O'Quinn brings intangibles that Hernan Gomez doesn't really bring. Hernan Gomez had a really good half, but I feel like something about O'Quinn, I, like, I want to keep – he's a dog. I want to keep, keep him in there. Yeah, I definitely try to keep O'Quinn. He's a, he's a poor man's uh, um, dream. You got to keep some toughness on your roster, and I would by all means keep him around. And I want to shout him out because he's the only Nick I see on a regular basis at a Liberty game. Really? Yeah. So he's there with his camera, getting his Russell on Westbrook on. Well, that and WNBA also because they're in the playoffs. We'll talk about that towards the end, but. That kills me that this that synergy between the Knicks and the Liberty just doesn't exist. And I feel like it doesn't exist all around the league. It's like you're not going to see John Wall at a Mystics game or you're not going to see 
uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki at a Dallas Wings game. That's why that synergy really sh- that that's how you get people to come to games when they see their favorite NBA guys at those games. I feel like they really need to enforce that. Yeah, they really did need to embrace it. I think the only time you see that was probably with the Rockets and the Comets back in the early days because they won champions around the same time and they had you know Hakeem and Cheryl Swoop, so that was easier to you know put that together. And it was the first couple of years, so it was you know it was organic. Now it seems more manufactured, but I do like seeing Quinn there at all the Liberty games. It's dope. And we're going to talk a little WNBA a little bit later on with the playoffs in full effect. They had a first-round single elimination last night, so we'll talk a little about that also. But the next story we're going to talk about is the NBA trying to fix, I think, an unfixable system. Um, The NBA are trying to discourage teams from tanking, so they want to kind of – Put some rules and attach rules to the draft lottery. Uh, still have the 14 non-playoff teams in the lottery system, but not give so much weight towards the teams who have who has the worst record in the NBA. Um, I'm not sure if this is even possible. I don't know how you do this. And then they're talking about teams can't get the number one overall pick two consecutive years and all these yeah. other weird rules that I'm pretty sure won't ever pass. I, do you think this is possible, or do you think they're just kind of grasping at straws? I, I think they're kind of grasping at straws, and I personally have no problem with teams tanking. Tanking doesn't necessarily guarantee the number one pick, or even does guarantee the number one pick. Nine out of ten times, they're not really franchise-altering picks. Like, let's think about the last couple of number one picks. You know, Anthony Davis, New Orleans still can't make the playoffs. Cleveland, I mean, if it wasn't for LeBron coming back, would we really be talking that much about Irving? We'll be talking about Irving Bennett and so on. And you got to look at the Golden State kind of blueprint. You got to look at Boston. Boston didn't tank last year. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals. They made an awful, you know, Brooklyn made an awful trade, and that's how Boston got the number one pick. So I don't really think, I think everybody's taking this tanking thing a little too seriously. Uh, the NBA proposal would flatten the odds for the top three picks. Uh, so right now, the number one pick, number one, the worst, the team with the worst pick would, uh, what's the percentage? I think it was like 25% or something like that in that range. Uh, sorry, yeah, 25% for number one pick. Number two, the second worst uh, record, 19.9%. Number three, 15.6. The proposal would flatten the odds and give the three teams with the worst record the same percentage of earning number one pick. I'm not sure if this – and you're right about tanking. And the, the NFL is kind of falling into this issue, too, with the Jets and Cleveland and a lot of other teams, I think. I feel like a lot more teams in, in the NFL are trying to tank than NBA. But I feel like a lot of – I feel like teams like the Sixers, teams like the Knicks, teams like uh, Orlando, they would vote against this because it, it goes against what they're essentially trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Especially the six, I feel like the Sixers and that process is starting to, I don't say work because we don't really know the, the final outcome, but people see the Sixers and what they did over the last few years, and people are like, we can do that too, and just trust that process. And Sam Hinkie is collecting checks with the phrase trust the process probably, and teams see that and they want to do their own Sam Hinkie deal. So I really feel like Adam Silver, his heart's in the right place, but it's never going to happen, bro. Yeah, I just don't think, you know, you can really stop it. And, you know, it's so, 
let them tank. It doesn't mean they're going to get – I mean, go back to Boston thinking they were going to get Tim Duncan. They tanked so hard that season, and it didn't happen. I mean, these things happen. I mean, the only time it really, like, landslidely worked was probably LeBron James when Cleveland was god-awful, and they knew the prodigy and the holy son was in their backyard, so they did what they had to do. But other than that, it doesn't really matter. Well, I feel like the the problem isn't with tanking. I feel like the problem is – there's some chicanery going on sometimes with those draft lotteries. I'm a Knicks fan. I love it. I love, I love watching that video of David Busher with that little fist pump when they got Ewing with the draft lottery. That was fake. Well, that was that, that was that was, that, that was that was a setup, and I have no problem with that. Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland getting LeBron. There was something behind that. I'm sorry, that was not that was not on the up and up. That's not legit. I could, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, that, 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 I can see that. Because how would that story play out anywhere else? Would he eventually go on to Cleveland? Who knows? And then, was did Cleveland get the number one overall two years in a row, or was was that tr- like was it like Kyrie or Anthony no, it Bennett? Was Bennett or was it, it was the it was the Bennett Bennett and Wiggins years. That was the two years. Yeah, that's row. it. I feel like the Bennett. Because Bennett was before Wiggins. I feel like the NBA hooked Cleveland up because they screwed up. Because LeBron left. Yeah. Because LeBron left. And not to mention, I feel like Bennett stunk. So I feel like that was almost going to be like, okay, we got you. You guys kind of you guys kind of crapped the bed with this one. We got you. I feel like, forget tanking. You need to kind of look at the NBA a little bit and make sure that that never happens again. Because I love the Busher. I love the Knicks. But I still go back. I'm like, you see that the, end, the edge of that envelope was all bent. You look at the tape. So I'm just saying. But like even this year with the draft, like I don't think, I don't think uh, who um, Philadelphia got was the best player in the draft. And I think as the season progressed, we'll see that you know the number one pick wasn't the best pick for this year's draft. So I think I think Markel Fultz is going to be a good player, but I, I agree. I think I'm of the mind where I think Jason Tatum was the best guy in this draft. I'm not sure if you agree or if you thought that uh, I, I, someone that's else was. Exactly what I was going at. I I think it was okay. Tatum, and I think Danny Ainge. I think Danny Ainge knew Tatum would be available at number three, and he flipped it to get another pick. So I'm like I said, Danny Ainge is playing. He's playing chess out here, and these other GMs gotta step it up. Yeah, well, these other GMs are. Well, and we talk about this. All, I think feel like there's a lot in once again looking at the teams in the NBA. We're looking mid. If you want to go college style, a lot of mid-majors out there. So I feel like you have the Bostons, you have the Clevelands, you have the LAs, you have the New Yorks, you have the Brooklyns. I'll, I'll put Houston out there. They, Houston just sold for $2 billion, which I didn't see coming at all that much. And then you got a lot of mid-major teams. You got a lot of Oklahoma City. So I feel like Sam Presti was playing chess early on with uh, Westbrook and Durant and Harden and Collison and putting these teams together. But eventually – you know, they ran out of moves. And I feel like sometimes these little teams are starting to run out of moves when it comes to, you know, other teams with a lot more chess pieces on the board. Yeah, absolutely. That's which, why which kind of like, that's kind of why the NBA that's kind of why the NBA put a little slap on the wrist to the Lakers for you know for tanking. I'm not saying it for um for tampering for Paul George services because I really because you know Paul George going there that's going to be a major hit for those little markets. So I kind of see why the NBA didn't want to start setting that precedent. So they kind of like went ham with that sign, it was like half a million dollars for tampering charges. Yeah, and I still I don't agree with that completely either because I really don't feel like Magic t- tampered or 
if if Paul George ended up on the Lakers right now, I could kind of make a I could see a case for that. But he's not right. there right now. So what are we talking about? We saw yeah. Magic making this benign comment, and all of a sudden, boss uh, uh, Indiana complaining about it. I I just I still don't see the rationale behind making that move. Yeah, not at all. And the Magic paying out of his own pocket, which is just baller in itself. Like I got this. Just take it out my salary. <laughs> It, it, it is what it is. <laughs> so nine one four three three eight zero eight nine seven. If you want to call in, if you have any uh, views and opinions, my sister Takia, do not call. I'm waiting for a call from her. I'm waiting here to see her number on this board. Um, so, and there's another story that I saw today about Seattle. And right now, Seattle does not have an NBA team. They're still trying to get one, and I cover it. The, the the mess a few years ago when the Maloof brothers sold the Kings to the group in Seattle, but then it went to court, and then somehow the Sacramento group came up with money to do it with Kevin Johnson, whose name is just like synonymous with just scumbagness. So now you have like 85 owners of the Kings, and the Kings still stink, and an owner doesn't know what he's doing, and a GM and Vladdy doesn't know what he's doing. When Seattle really wanted a team, I feel like they had that they had that infrastructure to have a really successful team and bring the Sonics back. Now it came out that there's a group saying that they're going to rebuild Key Arena where the Seattle Storm plays right now in the WNBA, and they're pretty much the only basketball team in town um, besides the uh, University of Seattle. Do you think we'll ever see an NBA team in Seattle again, or do you think the time has passed? No, I think we'll see one again, considering that we saw we saw one in Charlotte, and then eventually the Hornet name came back. I think Seattle is they need a basketball team. It's terrible how they was playing hardball with the new arena, considering how you know the Mariners got a new stadium, the Seahawks stadium was was pretty fairly new. They definitely deserve a team, and I think we'll get back. I think the I think the NBA eventually will expand to two more teams. I think Seattle will be one. I'm not sure what the other city might be. See, I'm of the mind. I feel like and I might be the only person to ever say this. I think Vancouver worked, but the only reason it didn't work completely was because they had crappy teams. So I feel like in do you think in, do you think do you think Memphis works? Because I don't think Memphis works. Memphis works when they're good and when in the playoffs and when they're deep in the playoffs. That's about it. That's the only time Memphis works. I think normally they, they have a hard time selling out. People don't care. I feel like Memphis has so much to do in Memphis. People aren't – it's like Miami. I think when Miami's really good, people care. When they're not that good, people don't care. I think the same, it's the same illness in Memphis. When there's playoff games on and TNT is going to be there and the fans are there in full force, when it's a random – February game, no one cares. And I think that's the, that's going to be the big problem. Yeah, I think Memphis or New Orleans might be eventually be in danger of losing it, their uh, basketball team. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the mind where I think Vancouver could work, but the, the ownership of their stunk, and then their GM was just like, I remember Big Country Reeves, and it was like, wow, they really picked that guy, like. Okay, <laughs> gonna do that. It's like the move that were made was was mind-boggling. 
Totally agree. But so, so I think we're both in agreement that Canada needs another team because the Raptors need a rival. Yeah, and it has to be on the other side of the country. I other can't side. like Toronto's totally on the right side. You have to Vancouver or uh, I mean, I say Winnipeg, but that's never gonna happen. But I feel like Vancouver <laughs> might be the only other option unless you put a team like Ottawa or something like that. Um, we have a call, yeah. and I know who it is already because I see the number, and I'm probably gonna yell and scream. <laughs> Hi, caller, you're on the air. Tell me where you're from. From Newark. Hello! Hello! Brown from North New Jersey. Hey, guys. Brick City, what's up? Hello. <laughs> I have a question for Khalil. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Kia, it better be about basketball. I swear to God. <laughs> no, it's about the fantasy football team you didn't put me on. Uh-oh. That's oh, what it's about. God, it's go. about the fantasy football team. All right? If you, you were to address mm-hmm. this the other day when I called you, I won't have to call you on your radio show and do this. <laughs> well, you make well do I this. did. I, well, so, Jason, here's a story real quick before you go back to basketball talk because she calls and interrupts us. Uh, my sister asked months ago to join my fantasy league, and I politely told her to F off, and I don't want her in it. Oh, okay. And a couple weeks ago, I was looking for, I think a couple weeks ago, you responded. I was looking for a 12th person for my league, and she was offended that I didn't invite her either then or now. So she's still a little salty about that. Yes, I Just am. a little bit. A little bit. Yes, a little I bit. am. We spoke a so few times, and she that. still brings it up. Uh, we're going to do nothing yes, about it. This is the best. And this is a basketball show. We're gonna hang up on you now. So have a great night, Kia from Brooklyn, uh, Newark. <laughs> She's still very salty about that fantasy league. It's funny now. <laughs> Gotta love fantasy football. It brings out the best in family. Yeah, it really does. So you you texted me something today, and. When I saw it, I saw it like an hour after you texted to me, my mouth dropped when you posed this question out. And I said, it was strong words. So we're going to talk about this right now. And I'm going to put your, put your reasoning out there for the masses. The big three just finished their first season. For all intents and purposes, it was a successful season. It was a couple of hiccups. I blame a lot of them on Allen Iverson. But they got their championship. The tr- trilogy went undefeated, ran the table, won the championship. Um, they're actually getting sued, which I didn't know yesterday, by the Champions Basketball League, which was supposed to get started actually last, I think it was last week or week before, um, which oh, would be wow. similar to, which would be similar to the Big Three, but will be five on five. Um, and apparently they're being sued because they're saying um, Ice Cube buddied up to them and stole a lot of their ideas and a lot of their guys because a lot of their guys were signed with the Champions League, but contracts weren't exclusive. Meanwhile, the big three get contracts are only exclusive to the big three. So they're being sued. They're probably going to lose because Champions League is a mess. Um, read right. more about Deadspin. Deadspin wins this whole big thing about how it just seems like a scam. And I feel bad for the new Nassau Coliseum because they were going to put these games on and it just fell apart. Um, and also, apparently, the big three, according to uh, For the Win, they have big plans in a name that was mentioned to join a big three next year was one Stefan Marbury, 
which would add some intrigue to the league even more if he was to come back. So with that, you stated through our text message pre-show that, and I'm going to find it, do we think the big three has a future and could possibly rival the NBA? Now, you text me that, and I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask your view. Now, obviously, we're in the beginning stages of this thing. It's going to be year two. They made a couple mistakes by you know some of the markets they traveled to and by Tulsa. And, you know, no more Tulsa. Yeah, it was it was odd. Like Brooklyn made sense. Philly made sense. Charlotte made sense. Dallas, eh. Tulsa, hell no. I think having a championship in Vegas, even though it was supposed to be at T-Mobile Arena, but Mayweather and McGregor kind of pushed that, knocked that out. But if this continues to grow and Fox and Fox Sports 1 signed up, they're going to do it again, might do the games live next year. Mm-hmm. Do you think this could be not direct competition, but could be one of those things people are like, okay, I like this, and become that summer NBA viewing that people, that the NBA really wants and keeps an NBA name out there? I do. I think it has a future. Will it rival the NBA? Of course not. But it will give us that summer alternative. I think most of us, for the most part, aren't really interested in uh, summer league basketball. Except when you know, unless it's like really a one rookies are playing, so I think this will be the perfect substitute for that summer, especially that July, August, dog days of summer when we're really not caring about baseball too much because it's just a long sport. Sorry, I know you work for the MLB, but I, I think it's a great alternative, and I think more big names are going to come down. I think Marbury's going to come. I think Garnett might give it a go next year. If they could allure someone like Kobe or like say Vince Carter when he retires. To come join the big three, now you're onto something. And just think about think about the XFL. Think about how awful of a mess that was. And we already know we're get, we guaranteed a second season. And Fox doesn't have basketball, so they're putting everything behind it. I think it's going to work. I think Fox has something big. I feel like and the championship was shown live on, Fo- on actual number one Fox. Not Fox, like right. FS1, but actual Fox. And the ratings were good. And I feel like Fox is probably like, well, wait. We did this tape delay, which is good because they and they kind of threw interviews in there and some video features, which is great. And I, I get it. It's like watching like WWE. You'll think about when they have a recorded show, you can kind of throw things in and stuff like that. But there's nothing like a live game, and you, I feel like the intenseness, the intenseness you feel on tape delay, but I feel like live, you really felt it that game. So I watched that game. I was like, you feel like those guys are working hard. So I feel like Fox yep. really needs to kind of pick it up a little bit and go, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this and go all in. You can't go halfway and go, you know, live to tape and then go live for the championship. If you do it, you got to do it and not half-ass it. And I think they'll, they'll learn from these mistakes. And I think we're going to get a much better product next season. And the gameplay wasn't bad at all. So many guys are not there well in their 40s and they're still in some good – compared to shape. So I think I think it's a win. I think this season is definitely a win and it's pointing in the right direction. Not just with Fox, but just for the whole big three experiment. I would definitely say Ice Cube definitely won this this experiment. Yeah, and the people he put around himself, like it was if it was just an ice cube production, I think it would have failed. But he put like um Amy Trask, who used to be CEO of the Raiders in charge. Right. He put uh 
whose name I'm losing and I'm looking for it. I cannot find it. It's like Desmond Mason. Is that the name I'm looking for? Yeah, you had it right. Desmond Mason. Desmond Mason. Desmond Mason, yeah. Who used to be the head of the play association. So now you got a guy who already has a relationship with a lot of the players who could probably bring in more players next year. And you're right. The competition got better because that, that first that, that first week in Brooklyn was tough because a lot of those guys were like – they look when yeah. – my mood do or oof look old. And he's already like old and gray. <laughs> but right. – he looked like, damn, like you, you, why are you even out there? Like, you, like you're trying to play a pickup game. But as it went on, you started to see the intent, that, in, that intense play pick up and that, that competitiveness that these guys probably have been missing since they left the league because they were playing for exactly. something. It wasn't just a bunch of old guys in the court. Like, I think this Champions League would have just been a disaster because you're talking five on five. They were going full court. Exactly. And then it was. It seemed like a scam because they really put it. I'm not sure if you saw it. It was all over Facebook. And I'm pretty sure I didn't like it, but like fans are owners of the team. You buy shares of the team. So for the Gotham Ballers, who was a New York based team, they raised like seven hundred thousand dollars from fans to be owners. Oh wow! And the league is and the league is not even around. Like nothing's happening. Everything's been pushed back. So I think it's kind of a cash grab with Big Three. That league was a mess. This one, I think this can keep going and going. And those players who have trouble retiring, this is the perfect place for them. Like a Vince Carter. I'll, Kobe's probably never going to play. I would love to see it. But you see a guy like a Stephon Marbury who wants to come back here, 39, 40 years old. He's still got a name. He, he's the guy you replaced Allen Iverson with, I think. But you know what? I'll even throw it a, further, a step further. I would think it would be in the best interest of the big three to expand from just basketball players to maybe, hey, if, you got, if you're in shape, if you're like a Terrell Owens, if you want to come oh, out and play, God. I, I, why not? It put the spotlight on your league. <sighs> I, I don't, if Tim Tebow could Terrell dribble Owens. the ball, I would love to see Tim Tebow. <laughs> if he could dribble the ball, because it would be that much more of a rating machine. I could see Tim Tebow double-handing double dribbling the ball down the court. I could totally see that happening just for a little bit. But even things like getting LeVar Ball to do shootout with Ice Cube. And people hate LeVar Ball, but people are going to tune in and watch it because people hate LeVar Ball and people want to see him lose. And he did lose. Right. So that was a good, that was a good strategy too. So I feel, and, and, and in LA. So you're already in his market. And it shows right. worked out. You brought more people out. So I feel like, you, I feel like it, they made some mistakes. And it's the first year of the league. But the, I feel like the mistakes were, like, here and there. But then they made adjustments. They made adjustments to the point scale. You went, you know, half time to 25, you went at 50. Before it was, like, 30 and 60. Uh, it was little here and there. There's a few more fouls with the hand checking. The hand checking got ridiculous, and they kind of kind of had to pull that back a little bit. The markets where they went was a little dicey. But then everything else seemed like it was on point, as opposed to the XFL, which is, was just a crap show from, from the very beginning. Like, the blimp advertising XFL crashed before the league even started. That's a bad omen. <laughs> Big three didn't have anything like Very that. Very bad omen. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so it's, you, it's, know it's, loved, you know who would have you know who you know who would have loved the Big Three you know who's probably upset totally upset about all this? Vince McMahon. Because the way the XFL bombed, they could have learned a lot from mm-hmm. the Big Three. Oh, well, according to that XFL thirty for thirty him and Ebersaw still have this idea that they can still pull this off. And I'm like, please don't do this. Please don't do it again. Just leave, leave it alone. 
you were a billionaire and now you're only a millionaire because of that XFL. So keep that in mind, Vince. You were a billionaire before. <laughs> so our last topic tonight is going to be about Colin Kaepernick. And no, Jason and myself know this is a basketball show, but hear us out. Um, apparently, Colin Kaepernick still does not have a job. So Jay Cutler, probably one of the worst quarterbacks in modern history, besides like Jeff George. He had a job. Joe Flacco went down in Baltimore. They went out and signed an arena right. football quarterback instead of Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> 49ers have no quarterbacks. Still don't have – still didn't sign Colin Kaepernick. So and you start thinking about in NBA circles. And there were controversies like Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf back in the 90s when he didn't salute the flag. He he would pray. Or he, first he sat and he would pray. Um during the national anthem. Do you think this, have you seen this in the NBA of like this? And I'm going to come out and say, it feels like collusion. It's a collusion against Colin Kaepernick with the other owners of the league. Has, have we ever seen, I can't think of an example in the NBA of the NBA team just staying away from a guy because for any reason, not just not standing for the um, national anthem or whatever, but I can't think of an example in the NBA that's ever happened before. I don't, you know what? I don't think it's ever happened before. And this whole situation, it, I've never been this divided about a subject in any sports I could ever think of. And I think the reason it doesn't happen in the NBA, one, it's a progressive league, progressive owners. The NFL, I hate to say it, it's old Texas, it's old, that old Texas oil kind of money where it's like grandfathered in, like, your great great grandfather used to own the team, so therefore you own the team. So it's not like it's not progressive like how the NBA we have young owners, old owners, the commissioner, you know, he's more he's progressive. I don't think that ha- mm-hmm. that would never happen in the NBA. As in the NFL, I think what happened what's happening in the Cavs is it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I'll, I'll take it a step further back. You remember how Iverson was? He was very polar polaristic. Everybody loved him. They couldn't wait for him to get old and his talents diminished. And he was a slowly exiled out the league. What happened with Cap is it's kind of like kind of similar, but only his talents his, is decreasing, but at the same time he's more vocal. And in the, in the way the NBA is, they don't really – the NFL, they don't like that attention. They don't like the backup quarterback because at this point that's all he'll be. He will not be a starting quarterback. They don't want the backup quarterback to be out there, you know, speaking about civil unrest and police brutality being a distraction to the teams. And I think that's probably, that's kind of the situation that's happening in the NFL. Yeah, you're right. And I wrote in our little write-up for the, for the show about how the NBA is light years ahead of the NFL. And you, I think the ownership issue is correct. I feel like in the NBA, you have younger owners, you have a lot of Silicon Valley owners, but you also have older owners who, who get, who gets it. You also have a, um, a union in the NBA who seems really strong. It was well, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I feel like not only is union weak because they let Goodell kind of just run all over him with the with the discipline, but you also have a union where I feel like they've been getting ran on for for years. Where right. in the commissioner is like, it's about the shield. It's not about you. It's about the shield. Well, Adam Silver is like, listen, you need to talk. We want you to talk. Like these are things that affect you, especially when three quarters of your league is African-American. So it's the impetus is on the athletes to talk about issues that really relate to them 
and their communities. And the NBA seems to be wanting to do that and have those conversations with the NFL. Like, oh, no, we can't do that. And you're right. Besides, I think, uh, Shai Khan, who's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's the only, I say younger, he's not that young, but he's a minority owner with new money. It's a lot of old right. money being thrown in the NFL. Jerry Jones, Bob McNair from Houston, uh, the Maras in, in the, with the Jets, uh, Woody Johnson, uh, sorry, the Maras of the Giants, Woody Johnson with the Jets, uh, Spanos with the chart. This is all old money, and they don't want to hear that. Your athlete stay in your lane. But meanwhile, J.J. Yep. Watt didn't stay in his lane. He raised like $20 million for Houston flood relief. That's okay, but we can't talk about people getting shot, and not just African-Americans, but – a white woman just got shot by a cop also too. So let's look at that on the whole, in the grand yep. scheme of it also. So it, it, it kills me that the NBA is so far ahead of the NFL it's, and the NFL is just like, they're, they, they're not budging. They're not changing. And Kaepernick may never get a job at this point. The way the NBA was so quick to get Sterling up out of here, that would never happen to the NFL because there's too much money to be made they would have just told him to, like, you know, disappear for a while, but they wouldn't have, like, banned them indefinitely forever. They wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Well, you look, I mean, look at Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones was running a, a – we might get in trouble saying this, but he, he, Jerry Jones was running a Coke farm down in Dallas for 25 years, and nothing ever Pretty happens. Much. The one time something happens to one of his guys, when at least when a ruling goes his against him, all of a sudden – Oh, wait, the NFL's wrong because LA didn't hit nobody. Okay, wait, so now you have a problem? But meanwhile, Michael Irvin was just having hookers and stuff at his house and his whole, for all his whole career, and all of a sudden, Zeke LA get in trouble and you can't handle that? It's like, it doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah. Same thing, you we know, we talk about more, and he was, and just, you know, since, since you know, we want to keep it local, we, we talk about more and what they did. You know, they let LP get away with murder for how long? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then last year, Josh Brown, who admitted to hitting his wife on multiple occasions, got one game. And then, but the Giants totally fumbled that situation. But God forbid an athlete comes out and says, "Hey, we need to have a conversation about the police. Not all police are bad, but there are some bad police." And he gets blackballed from the league for probably his, the rest of his career. Capitan will be playing in the CFL next year. I don't think he's ever playing in the NFL ever again. And I think it's it's BS. And it just it makes me enjoy basketball more, knowing that we have athletes who are socially conscious and understand what's going on, as opposed to the NFL, right. who forces their athletes to stay quiet all the time, no matter what. No matter what, yeah. Well, I, so. I, you know, we have to blame the, we have to blame the union for that. But the NFL players association need to step up and demand more from the owners. Well, and I tweeted out last week. I'm like, it's funny how the NFL PA is so quick to go defend Ezekiel and things with appeals. But then, meanwhile, you have a player who hasn't hit anybody, who doesn't have arsenal guns, who didn't threaten anybody, who didn't get arrested. But meanwhile, he can't get a job. But meanwhile, you're gonna fight for Ezekiel Elliott, who's a dirtbag who hit who hit somebody, <laughs> who who, legit, who hit a woman. Like, you got you got to pick and choose your battles a little bit better. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I know I said that was the last story, and I forgot because I said his name earlier, and we got to talk about this real fast. Uh, we got about four minutes. So apparently LeVar Ball is going to put out a signature shoe for his younger son, LaMelo, which may cause the NCAA to rule him ineligible 
to play at UCLA where he committed to. LeVar Ball is defiant, saying that the NCAA is not his boss and he doesn't give a crap. Why can't LeVar Ball just shut up? That's my question to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I I applaud LeVar Ball and what he's trying to do. And but let me ask you a question. If his son is not on, if it's his son and he's made a sneaker for his son, what's the problem? He's not collecting any of the proceeds or anything like that. And to me, you you see, UCLA they got so much more eyeballs on them because of that family because they know you get three three balls coming your way down the pipeline. So I don't see what the problem is. NCAA, this might not be the fight you want because I think. You know, this is kind of like Connor and, and Floyd in terms of like this is the guy who will not back down from you guys. He's gonna he's gonna talk just as much as you do, and I think he might expose a lot of flaws in NCAA that um they wouldn't expect someone like Lavar Ball to be the one to open it up. Or according to NCAA rules, prospects are not allowed to promote commercial products prior to prior to their enrollment in college. So that's that's kind of what's going on because of course it's gonna be like a a Lamello commercial with the sneakers on stuff like that, which would be promoting a commercial product. So that's their argument. I'm of the mind where you know what, just kind of put his name on the shoe, like just 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 let him go to college. Just let him get one year in. I just why you, and the NCA will fight you. Like it's been proven, it's been shown. The NCA will fight you tooth and nail. And for, and it, whether they lose or not, they lost the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit. They're still appealing that. They will fight you. Yeah, the bar could take to them, but I feel like in the end, it's just going to make him look worse. And I feel like he has no goodwill over the last year. But but can he do like how his other son is doing, where in terms of like he wears a company, he rocks it in the commercial, but he's not playing in it at all? He, he could do that. I feel like the NCAA is just like, you're promoting a shoe, your name on it. No one's allowed that. I don't care who you are. So in case trying not to start, because I feel like if they start, if they allow this, then that the floodgates open up. So they don't want it to happen. They let the gates open. <laughs> well, they're already going to change the rule for transfers. They're talking about letting transfers play immediately when they transfer instead of sitting out a Maybe kind of starting to bend a little bit when it comes to different rules that they have in place, hopefully. And listen, I, I'm all for the student athlete making a living. Getting a check, get your sneaker deal, make your own sneaker. I'm all for empowerment. NCAA, that's a system that's been need to reform, and I'm all for change. Oh, I totally agree with you, but just oh God, I, I, I still hate LeVar Ball. Like, nothing he can do would make me not like him less. I'm, I really hate him, man. And I, I don't use the word hate very much, but hate's starting to kick in now. First game, first Lakers televised game we see this year. Who do you think the camera shows more of? Jack Nicholas or LeVar Ball? Oh, LeVar Ball, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, Jason is always great show. Good to, good to talk to you. Likewise. So, uh, once again, we're on our summer schedule. So, next week, no show. We will be back on September 21st with a brand new show. We're going to start talking to the NBA. We're getting close to the season. We'll be about a little under a month when we're next on air. So tune in Thursday, September 21st, 8 p.m. It's the bottom G Sports Radio. For Jason, I'm Khalil. Have a great night, a great week. We'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Peace.